The receivers have not been involved much, but nine completions for Jackson so far. Dixon, who fumbled a moment ago, is back in the game. And in the middle, Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. 68 yards. Rookie to rookie, and the Ravens retake the lead. going on everyone welcome to the mob town blitz podcast i'm kyle j andrews and you can follow me on twitter at kyle j andrews underscore also i'm joined here today by my good friends eric Hemmelheber and anthony barkley how are you guys doing today and where can we follow you guys on twitter what's up what's up this is anthony barkley here you can follow me on twitter at a barkley that's a y e e b a r k l e y What's up, guys? Eric Himmelheber here. You can follow me on Twitter at E-H-I-M-M-E-L-H-E-B-E-R. Yeah, he has a really long last name. Yeah, I got to change that. (laughs) (laughs) As always. That was a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really long, long name. But as always, we are proud to do this podcast for one of the top sports websites in the district, dmvsportsnetwork.com and they can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at dmv underscore sn they have some great daily content up on there about all things in DC sports as well as Baltimore sports and you can addition to college sports and a lot more so after you listen to this podcast please go ahead and check it out in addition please be sure to subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available and this includes apple Podcasts, google play and soundcloud so let's get this thing rolling obviously it was a big week in ravens football ozzy newsom is no longer the general manager the goat is gone it's a new day it's it's a weird day Very it's weird. a new day it's Very empowering weird. for eric's everywhere <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about Eric Acosta taking it all over. Eric? Since you're Eric? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's great. I mean, the fact that, you know, he was able to shadow, you know, Ozzie Newsome, you know, Ozzie's probably going to go into the Hall of Fame as a general manager. So to be able to learn from a Hall of Fame, a future Hall of Fame general manager is usually a good sign, too. And seeing as how they all, the Ravens always receive trade offers, for uh, DaCosta throughout the years, but you know they kept them tight and locked and everything. So it probably it's probably a good sign that uh, we're going in the right direction. What about you, Anthony? I want to say also let's not forget it's not like Ozzy's going to be completely gone from the building. Yeah. He's still going to be on as a consultant, but Eric DaCosta is going to have the final word. I think it's just going to be kind of weird the Ravens fans are first to just hear like it took me a while to be like oh. General Manager Eric DaCosta, and I'm like, that just sounds so odd. But this is something that Ozzy and, and uh, Steve Bashotti have been grooming Eric DaCosta for, and now he's going to have his, his shot, especially with a great offseason. There's so many free agents and so many, like, so, way that, so many ways that the team can be built through free agency. And then 
talented, talented, talented draft class coming up. So it's going to be a real interesting first year with Eric DaCosta as GM. I definitely agree. I mean, the biggest thing that I saw from his press conference was just that Eric DaCosta wants to go in this analytical approach. And we already saw that across Camden Yards. And Mike Elias has already gone into that analytical approach. And in football, you have a lot of guys that are also doing that at the field level position. So you have offensive quality control coaches and defensive quality control coaches. They look at the tendencies of what players are going to do, what coaches are going to do in certain situations, and then they try to make adjustments off of that. And it seems like what Eric DaCosta wants to do, he wants to kind of get more into those kind of aspects of the game. He wants to break down the numbers, crunch the numbers. And people have also talked about how John Harbaugh is an analytical-driven coach, which, I mean, in some cases, some people might not see it on field, but a lot of the things that he does, I guess it's – I feel like it's overthought sometimes, but – he he means well behind it with some of his approaches, with some of those timeouts that he calls. I just feel like it was misguided on where those things were coming from because he didn't have the right person. Or I guess he didn't – not that he didn't have the right person to lead him, but I felt like he didn't have a person he – he didn't have the support on that staff to kind of run those things. So, I mean, I feel like if you could find those guys at the lower level instead of just being like, okay, well, we're going to poach some coaches from some other place – I feel like down the line, the Ravens will be fine with that. And I also feel like Eric DaCosta's draft, I mean, when it comes to him, he wants to retool his offense. Ravens need offensive linemen. Lord, they, you know, yeah, 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 they oh need receivers. We need somebody to uh, fill in Eric's, Eric Weddle's position, too. Exactly. Because he's probably not going to be coming back either. Yeah, if Eric Weddle doesn't return, they're going to have to get a safety. Not and to I, mention pass rushers. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Always. Pass rushers are always at a premium. And then I would always argue that the Ravens need to they need to do something at middle linebacker because we don't know if C.J. Mosley will be back. If if they don't bring back C.J. Mosley, our run game is going to be screwed because I know I know Kenny Young really stepped up with Peanut when they benched Peanut uh, earlier in the season, and then Peanut came back and he had a great end of the season. But I don't think Kenny Young and Peanut are going to be the two guys up the middle that will just replace Mosley like it's easy money. Like, Mosley, he really deadered in pass defense over the years because during his rookie season, you saw he was strapping tight ends like he was a safety or a cornerback himself. But if we don't re-sign C.J. Mosley, that's going to be a huge hole in our defense. I do like Peanut, and I do like Kenny Young. I do feel like, however, though, we we really do need C.J. Mosley. You know, he was tasked with replacing arguably the greatest linebacker of all time, Ray Lewis. And, I mean, it was a pretty decent transition. Not to say that he is Ray, but... No, yeah. He he held his own. Like, it, it wasn't like a, a massive drop-off. There was some drop-off, but it, was, it wasn't too crazy. But CJ's morning held his own. Perennial pro bowler, stud of a linebacker. We, we need CJ. Yeah. It's it's kind of like the situation with Brandon Williams. It's it's you, when you look at the difference in the run in oh run defense goodness, when Brandon Williams isn't playing versus when he is playing, it's such a huge difference. And that's why I, I feel like C.J. Mosley is that of the linebacker group. If C.J. Mosley is not up the middle, our run game is going to take a hit big time. I totally agree with that, and I mean I think 
the other thing too is that when it comes to that kind of stuff, I think Eric DaCosta will look into all those kind of aspects of the game, try to make a more all-around approach. So instead of just, I, th- I felt like with Ozzy a lot of times, and don't don't get me wrong, I think Ozzy's he was a great GM at one point. I feel like he did a really good amount of things to kind of you know assist what the Ravens were doing at the time. But I felt like once the game evolved a little bit, things kind of, you know, changed a little bit for Ozzy when it came to finding those guys that can be all-around players. Like before, you know, the scouting department, Raven scouting department got poached a lot. We got to remember, we're talking about a scouting department that had so many people from the Eagles staff. And the Eagles have been able, I mean, once they, they won the Super Bowl, we're practically... I would say about four or five of the Ravens' major scouts and people on major development. So I feel like Eric DaCosta, yeah, he's going to have to trust his scouts, like he said, but he is going to have to try to make some sense of what those scouts are going to do and point them in the right direction. And like we said before with C.J. Mosley, it's going to be hard to replace him if they do have to replace him. But I do feel like if anybody's going to be tasked with that job and do a solid job of it, I think that Eric DaCosta, with some of the decisions that he's helped make in the past, it'll be a good situation for the Ravens to have. I think we embrace the challenge of building the best team we can, the best offense that we can, the best defense that we can. And we've got a quarterback with a unique skill set. And so how best can we make him better? What types of players are are we looking? for. A lot of that's going to happen with input from the coaches and what they think is best for Lamar. And this is a really, really fun, exciting offseason because we get a chance to look at other teams and and maybe even have the chance to draft some players or add some players that maybe other teams don't like as much as we do because we're doing something so different. So we may be able to find or exploit that situation a little bit. And that was Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta on Lamar Jackson's ability to be able to attract free agents. So moving on to our next topic, talking about the end of the Ravens season or I guess the entire season that is how did it unfold in you guys eyes is this what you guys expected or did you expect something different to happen going on into the start of the season I thought Lamar was going to start a lot earlier to be honest it made sense though after the bye to give him a full week of prep ready you know for that Cincinnati game but I mean overall you know AFC North champions it just sucks the way it ended though you know Lamar won like six out of of his seven first starts and then you know obviously the playoff start didn't really go so well for him but just as as a whole that defense was just absolutely ridiculous and then I mean once Lamar got in the offense kind of just seemed a little bit more energized even though you know didn't really pass for too many yards in the season I think it was like a little over a thousand and he had the six touchdowns and the three interceptions. And he had the five rushing touchdowns. But just, I think what we saw in general was just the beginning of what's to come from an exciting offense with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator now. Is That offense is going to look absolutely insane with the whole offseason to work with it. Now that the Ravens front, front office has seen what Lamar can do for as far as throwing and as far as running and how his body held up against, like, NFL defenders. Yeah, because you look at that Chargers playoff game, Lamar got crushed. Imagine if he wasn't as elusive as he is now. Like, if that was Joe Flacco standing back there in that pocket during that playoff game, he would have been smashed almost every single play. Like, Lamar Jackson's elusiveness alone is incredible to watch. 
You know, we look at guys like Cam Cameron, Russell Wilson in the Cam league. Newton. Cam yeah. Newton. Did I say Cam Cameron? You Cam- didn't say Cam Cameron. <laughs> I thought they were going to go as far as offensive coordinators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cam Newton or Cam Cameron is pretty elusive on that sideline. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, even back, you know, when Colin Kaepernick was playing, he was um, he was pretty incredible with his speed and agility. And you look at Lamar Jackson, and it, he just upped the ante. And seeing – you know, when he came in and started for us, we I kind of had the expectation like, all right, let's just see what he has. You know, I'm not going to set my standards high. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, he's not going to lose a single game. We're going to win the division outright, no problem, and have no pro- – like I said, no problems at all. But Lamar Jackson really kind of like exceeded my expectations. You know, he really did put the team on his back per se. And I think I think it surprised a lot of people because you that's a lot to put on a rookie quarterback's shoulders, especially one year old too. Especially that. in the middle of the season when the team was what what were they four and five at the time yeah. when he first came in? Yeah. So it's not like they said, "Look, we're on the brink of a playoff berth right now. You got to go in and do this." It was right in the middle of the season. He had he had to just go with the flow right in the middle of the season, and I feel like for a rookie quarterback, that's extremely hard to do and he he showed up and I, I even had my doubts about him at first and he completely proved me wrong and I have no problem in admitting that I think my initial doubts came from not necessarily Lamar Jackson but with the offense uh, like the play calling and everything would come especially having Marty Mornerwick as the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily think that the Ravens could draw up an offense this progressive but then you come come to find out Greg Roman, obviously, was the designer of the Colin Kaepernick offenses, the Tyrod Taylor offenses, and he was able to kind of mold this offense into his own, even though he was the run game coordinator, and now he's the offensive coordinator. It's going in a different direction, and I feel like that Ravens offense, it just turned completely around. They became less one-dimensional. I think with Marty Mornerwig, they kept saying, well, he's the best fit for Joe. No, he was John Harbaugh's best fit for Joe. He wasn't necessarily the best fit. And I feel like that's what they got wrapped up on too much was that John Harbaugh, we can see it now with all of his hires. All of his hires are friends of his. You know, He's not going out of his way to hire people from outside of the organization who he doesn't really know that well. Even at a lower-level positions, how many times has have you seen – John Harbaugh promote somebody up from like you know a quality control position, and the first time I saw it was this year was Matt Weiss, who's the new running backs coach. Just about to say, yeah, yeah. running backs coach just got promoted and, from within, and I think he has a bright future ahead of him. But I, I feel like the Ravens never really tried to do stuff like that. They kept break, banging their head into a wall. Previously, they would hire guys like you know you would get Cam Cameron, or you would get you know. You had Jim Zorn as the quarterbacks coach. You had Dean Pease as the defensive coordinator. Yeah, as the defensive coordinator, a guy that John Harbaugh was friends with. You know, Greg Madison, he sent Greg Madison out to be <laughs> the defensive coordinator for the for Michigan at one point. And then it was just things like that that just, you know, it was mind-boggling. I never understood why, you know, oftentimes John Harbaugh will hire these guys that he's just like, he's buddy buddy with and there's no offense to him because I feel like he's a solid coach I just feel like these guys 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like the guys that he's delegating to just aren't up the par a lot of times. I feel like Greg Roman, on the other hand, he's had that proven experience as an offensive coordinator that you're like, hmm, maybe he might actually be able to do something because his offense is progressive back then. It's still very progressive now. Right. You know, I mean, who would have thought that you would have been able to change an offense just from that point from day one? You know, as soon as as soon as Lamar flipped over, they had a whole playbook for him. I think maybe what they did before, I mean, we don't know. You know, we weren't there while they were drawing up plays in the offseason. But I feel like once the Ravens got Lamar, you know, you you all heard, like, whispers of after we're going into the lab, we're making plays, we're getting in the lab and making up this whole playbook. I felt like what you saw was, like, a bare bones of what's going to come next year. So... Let's just get Lamar into these pistol off, you know, pistol formations. Something that he's he's comfortable with in college. He can run under the, you know, center. Let's not not Lamar like he doesn't know how to run a pro style offense. The guy went to Louisville, you know, and and that offense was crazy complex with their head coach. Um, I think, like I said, what you see is the bare bones. Let's just see what the kid can do, you know. Get him in the pistol, get him comfortable with running the read option, have him run these RPOs, you know, the run plat, run pass options, and just let's see how the ball comes out of his hand. Let's see if he can read some defenses. Let's see how the speed that he had in college, which was like crazy, you know, the way he would just run around people, hurdle people, all those things that he did while he was at Louisville. You know, let's see how well does that translate to the NFL. And I was at that first game against Cincinnati. And it looked like a blur. Like it just looked like how fast he ran. I was mind blown. I was like, the dude is crazy athletic, and he can. And let's just get this out of the way. The man can throw the football. Okay, for everyone who's saying that he cannot throw, he can throw. Stop calling him a poor man's Tim Tebow. Stop saying that he a can't throw. A poor man's Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow couldn't throw a football. Past five yards without, you know, that weird delivery. That's another thing. Yeah. Like people don't think like Lamar Jackson can't throw. He's also accurate too. Up until the end of the season, he had one of the highest pocket ratings out of all quarterbacks under 25 years of age. So that includes guys like Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he was up there with them. So he can definitely be a pocket passer when they let him. Like you were saying about the uh, the playbook. You know, going into the season, Joe Flacco's the starter, so they try to make the playbook, you know, around Joe's style of quarterback. Right. And when Lamar Jackson came in, they're like, all right, well, we don't have a full playbook that fits Lamar Jackson's style like we do with Joe, so we have to run a really bottom-of-the-barrel type of playbook for plays that we already drew up for Lamar. But now they have a whole offseason. They know Lamar is going to be the starter. And like you said, with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator now, they have – unlimited options to make a play a new playbook to fit the style and really really make this offense a lot more dangerous in my opinion and one of the things that really irritated me was that like you heard coaches like knocking trash the offense it's like a navy option offense and i was like well first of all navy runs the triple option, option yeah. yeah they run a flex yeah. bone like they don't run anything close to yeah like, it's, it's just so is is stupid because you look at some of the things, some of the things that the Ravens have done. It's crazy because you look at, you take things from what Urban Meyer did at Florida mm-hmm. and and Ohio State. At Ohio State, it's it really is more like the Ohio State Urban Meyer offense 
and the fact that he's passing out of this stuff. Right. Like, and the thing is, this was the bare bones version of it. Like you said, once Greg Roman gets an entire off season to work on this stuff, and then you got other people coming in that are gonna assist Lamar in trying to get his passing correct. I mean, he's gonna have another full off season to work with James Urban as his quarterbacks. Well, I mean, not the off season, but he'll be able to throw with his new receivers. He'll mm-hmm. be able to fully be entrenched as the leader of the team. He's right. the leader now. Before it was like, okay, this is still Joe Flacco's team, which is fair, but now Joe's going to be gone, so there's no excuses for anybody to not surround Lamar with the right talent because the Ravens have always tried to say, okay, well, Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco, we're just going to allow them to do everything by themselves. We're not going to get the receivers because we feel like, okay, well, we paid Joe so much money, so we don't need the receivers. We don't need the offensive linemen. And look where that's gotten the Ravens in the past. And I feel like with Lamar Jackson and you have Eric DaCosta now, both of these people now are going to surround, they're going to try to surround Lamar with talent and give him the right offensive pieces to work with through the offensive line. And they're going to give him receivers as well. They already got him the tight end. So I feel like you get him some receivers, you get a running back, and you get an O-line. Lamar sky's the limit for him if, you know, this offense takes off. Also, two things. So, one, Lamar was on first take. Uh, I believe it was either Thursday or Friday. Uh, and he was talking about when he first got there, he wasn't really comfortable working with the receivers because he didn't really have a lot of chemistry. He was working more with, like, Jordan Lasley and Jaleel Scott. And he had chemistry with them. And obviously you saw the connection that he had with Mark Andrews over the season. Like, those two were definitely on the same page. And yeah. I think towards the end of the season, he developed more chemistry with uh, Michael Crabtree and Willie Sneed and John, John Smokey yeah. Brown. So, you know, Lamar, I'm hoping, you know, he's going to work on his footwork, uh, which is going to help with his accuracy. And you're just going to really see a, a more polished version of that option, more RPOs, more shots down the field. They're going to let Lamar open up and throw that football. And also, while we're talking about the offense, we can't just talk about Lamar. We got to talk about Gus Edwards. This guy came from out of nowhere and just dominated. Almost ran for 1,000 yards. I'm not sure if he did or not in the season. Yeah, check up yeah, on that. Yeah, I got you. You know, I know almost every play that he ran was for a positive yard. Didn't didn't really get knocked I don't back. Think, yeah, I don't think he – you're right about that. I don't think he ever had a negative play the entire season. He always turned his feet forward, and that's something that Gus Edwards, you know, he's a powerful runner. He runs downhill. That's what the Ravens need. They have, they have two different things where – I guess the Ravens, like, they have two different styles of running with, you know, Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, even with Ty Montgomery, with some of the other running backs, too, Kenneth Dixon. And I feel like when you mix all those things up right. and you mix those different types of running styles, that throws defenses off. They're like, oh, crap, what do I do now? Now you start running those slide play actions mm-hmm. where, the, where the tight ends are rolling out, and then they think they're going to run – they're going to start running that RPO. Right. Or they're going to run that play action. Right. The key, then, like, the key to all that is uh, we got to make sure our offensive line holds up because yes. we saw how they got obliterated in that Chargers playoff especially game. Especially Matt Skura. Yeah, and, Skura and, and James Hurst. Hurst, yeah. I don't know why 
they gave James Hurst a contract. You know me, I was totally against that from the beginning, whether he was playing guard or tackle. That's nothing against him personally, but I was just looking from, I mean, you know, for results. You yeah. yeah. And like you were talking about Gus Edwards, the guy averaged over five yards a carry. 718 Ten yards. And, and, and not even a full season. And, yeah, in 11, and 11 middle, games. Yeah. And a banged it, up it, it almost, line. It, With a banged up offensive it, line. I just hope it doesn't become another Alex Collins story because remember when Alex Collins first came first on? Season, yeah, yeah, he was a top 10 rusher and he didn't even start the whole season. So I hope it's not a trend where like Gus Edwards blows up the first year and it just trends off in the next year. Um, but like I said, it, it really does revolve around the offensive line. You know, the game is one within the trenches. Right. And it's the same with Lamar. If you can't give Lamar time, yeah, he, he has the elusiveness and the speed to get out of the pocket. And that's, you know, that's where he works best at. But you still want him to get comfortable in the pocket and to give him time so receivers can get open. And like how you guys were talking about with receivers, the problem is, though, you see the decline in stats. Yeah. And our receivers compared to when Flacco was quarterback and when Jackson was quarterback. Well, because they were running the ball more. Yeah. And I mean, it's like 40 it, times. Well, yeah. That, and the receivers take that into account. Like, okay, this is going to be a running style offense, and I need to catch the ball, you know, because that's, that's what they get paid to do. They exactly. see They yeah. see other teams – or um, when they hit free agency like John Brown, you know how he's a free agent. It probably would have looked a lot better on his resume for him if Flacco was the quarterback throughout the season because he was one of Flacco's favorite targets, and Flacco kept throwing in the ball a lot. When Lamar Jackson came in, that completely changed. So when in terms of recruiting offense or wide receivers and free agency to come here, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard and easy at the same time to pitch that because like you were talking about earlier with Antonio Brown and Lamar Jackson or whatever. Yeah, Lamar was on like, first take like we. Yeah, I, I want Antonio. I yeah, want Antonio. Which I mean, you know, why wouldn't you want and, and, arguably the best receiver? But and a lot of receivers like Lamar Jackson too. Like yeah, they yeah. see like this kid's a young stud. You know, right. I want to go play with him. But at the same time, receivers they want the ball. You know, it's not. You know, it's not news to know that receivers are some of the most, you know, prima donnas in the league. You know, they they love the ball. Every year there's – even like the top five wide receivers, you could name off, probably most of them are divas about getting the ball. Yeah, and with that being said, we're going to our last segment. But before we go into our last segment, Anthony – as a message. Yeah. All right. So before we continue, it's time to tell you about the DMVSN's Library of Podcasts. Right now, we have seven active shows, including, not our own, obviously, the NBA Quick Report Podcast, the Hogcast, It's About Time, DC Sports, Ed on Wiz, Fantasy Fever with Marcus Hemingway, the DC Power Play, the Dom and Thunder Show. You can find those shows covering from the Redskins, the Caps, Nationals, Wizards, and obviously Ravens. Fantasy Fever, dealing with all things fantasy football, pair of mixed bag shows, which is available via live stream on Twitter. All these shows are available wherever podcasts can be found, so please check these out. And if you like any of these shows, please leave a review or even subscribe on all platforms. So like we were saying before, we're getting into our last topic. And I mean, it's the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, the Ravens aren't in it, but you know. I mean, who who do you think, who do you guys think, first of all, are going to be the Super Bowl champions in 2019? Do I have to say it? Patriots are going to win. Yeah. I do, think do you really see Tom Brady losing two Super Bowls in a row? He's going to complete the Infinity Gauntlet. He's going to get the sixth ring. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady's Thanos. I thought LeBron yeah, Tom Brady is going to be Thanos. 
Yeah. I thought LeBron was in like the Dominican. Yeah, no. And the Dominican suit was gonna be Star Lord. He'll almost get the gauntlet off, and then he'll like get a 15 yard penalty <laughs> <laughs> that'll lose the game for him. Aaron, Don- Aaron Donald's like Iron Man, you know. He's just like it, it's crazy, cause like. You know, I actually picked the Rams to win, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Tom Brady win it all. No. And my thing is, like, it's no, like, my, me picking against the Rams, it's not that the Rams are, I mean, it's not me picking against the Patriots, it's not that the Patriots are bad. Like, I got in this conversation before. I'm, ex- I'm extremely annoyed by people thinking that the Patriots are underdogs, ever, period. They're not underdogs. But I kind of like it, though, because they're not, they're not being complacent, like, they find any and every little thing that someone says negative about them, and then they turn it, and they use it to fuel themselves. And that's why we see them in the Super Bowl. It's the Kobe for, system. Yeah, for three it's straight it's years. The, it's it's annoying. System. I mean, it's really annoying. You got to think Kobe about it. Kobe used to do the exact same thing. He would be like, he'd be like, oh, yeah, such and such from the Celtic. Rondo said this about me. Oh, yeah, I'll see you guys in the championship. And everybody was like, huh? What's going on with that? Why Why is Kobe... Why is Kobe mad about that little thing that's whoever said? Might not have been Rondo, but it could have been anybody. And Tom Brady has that same mentality that he's like, oh, this guy said something? Oh, little bulletin board thing here. We're going to post that here. Right. Who's going to say only? And I feel like a lot of football players, for whatever reason, they want to be that underdog complex. I think that's stupid. My thing is, personally, if you're good, you got to go out there and win. And you can't come in arrogant. You have to respect what the Rams are doing. Oh, yeah. But they, I think, my Even thing is. they got away with that pass in the franchise. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, that's another topic. And I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I personally think the Rams, like, <laughs> guess <It's> what? Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> it's going to be talked about like a billion times. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, gonna be. that's actually one of the bets, too. Like, I mean, but, yeah, what? yeah, that is. But it's, um,. It's gonna. I think it's gonna be one hell of a game, though. Yeah. Like I said, statistic-wise, during the regular season, those two were almost identical. You know, in defense and offense too. And I just think it's gonna translate to the Super Bowl. I think we're gonna have one hell of a game. I think as much as we want to talk about Tom Brady and and Jared Goff, the running games are gonna be. Oh yeah. He was Sony Michelle, and then we gotta James find out. White, James Rex, White, Rex Burkhead, Rex Burkhead. Todd Gurley, and CJ Anderson. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, Todd Gurley's gonna have to stay healthy. We don't know, you know, what's going on with him. He was kind of like limping through the NFC Championship game. They'll get him ready to go, I think, but it won't be. I mean, I mean C- CJ be ready to CJ go. Anderson's been playing his ass off, and yeah. I gotta tip my cap to him because he's does like how he's been bounced around the league this year, I know, that guy's and how he, he came into Los Angeles and just straight dominated for him is incredible. So I think I think Complete it'll be resurgence. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be a great what, game. What what happened with CJ Anderson this uh this past week? Did you guys see that with how CJ I know this is this isn't Super Bowl related, but this is about CJ Anderson. He was talking to some woman that was from Montana and then apparently CJ Anderson like fat shamed her. Really? Yeah, it was it was like out of the blue. It was the weirdest thing that I've ever seen in my entire well, you life. Can't be fat shaming in twenty nineteen. Man, that guy's I, a Big Mac away from diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna, and he's gonna fat shame somebody. Right. Come on, man. That's what I'm, saying. I'm like, that makes no sense. I was like, CJ Anderson fat shaming a girl. I was like, hmm. I was like, look, me, I I know I'm a big guy, so I'm not fat shaming anybody. I'm not getting on anybody. I'm not calling anybody fat. And I'm like, CJ. 
You're a chunky boy, and you're five foot eight. You're like five foot eight, like two forty. That's dude. like me. That's like me walking up to somebody on a beach and be like, "Damn, dude, you're really pale." <laughs> like, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. I'm like, dude, you need to relax. And this girl, it wasn't it just didn't make any sense. But I mean, that that has nothing to do with the Super Bowl. I just thought that was interesting. It was funny to me that out of all the people. C.J. Anderson wants to fat chain people. Like, dude, you're, you're chunky. Like, you, <laughs> you're, built, you're built like a box. Like, you know, <laughs> All right. But going so, back to the Super Bowl, at first I had the Rams winning. Uh, just I was like, way too many weapons. You know, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, just too many weapons for the Patriots. But then the cornerback had to open his mouth and call Brady old. Bradley Roby, was his name? Yeah, and the Cal Cole. Roby Coleman. Yeah. Roby Coleman, yeah. Bro, you don't talk about Tom Brady being 40. I did see that, too. It's a wrap. Like, that's it, like, the last guy you want to piss off right. the Super Bowl. I was like, the second I heard that, I was like, oh, it, it's it's over. It's over. It's Patriots like, are going to win this game. They're going to find the win. You know, like, who's 40 now? Yeah, so, yeah. Come on, bro. But... And knowing the competitor that Tom Brady is, you know he's going to call him out during the game. At oh, some yeah, he's point. probably going to pick one of Or hell, Edelman will probably do it for him because, yeah. you know, Edelman's a big trash talker, yeah, he's too. Yeah, point across at him and be like, yo, you talking smack about the king? You can't do that. Or, right. like, can you imagine Chris Hogan burning him and Brady goes up to him and be like, dude, you just let up a touchdown to a lacrosse player. <laughs> <laughs> you got you had a lax bro torch you? Come on. <laughs> Think the key. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 you go ahead. I want to, what's the key? What are the keys to the game? All right, the keys to this game for both teams. Um, if you're L.A., you got to keep Brady off the field. Well, like, that's just. That's a given. That's a given. You, you got to keep Tom Brady off the field, and you got to keep moving the ball. I don't care how. You just got to eat up as much clock as possible. If I'm L.A., I want to keep this low-scoring game. The last thing I would want to do is try to get into a shootout with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, for LA defensively, you gotta find a way to hit Tom Brady without getting flagged. Uh, Somewhere in the I know that sounds that sounds like almost impossible because if you touch him, you gotta hit it's him a 15 yard pillow. penalty. You gotta hit you know? Tom Brady with the pillow. If you don't hit him with the pillow, bring your pillows, man. Wade Phillips told him to get pillow certified. They need to go out there <laughs> he said and smack this pillows. dude with the pillow because that's the only way you'll be able to get. Yeah. Touch prom, Tom Brady. yeah, that rough in the past you're calling that Chiefs playoff oh, game where the guy just graced him. Oh, my God. Unbelievable, man. And it's, it's something that always goes on in a Tom Brady game. But, Eric, what are the prop bets, too, in this game? All right, so we got, a pretty, we got 10 ridiculous prop bets going, so we'll go down the list and see what you guys think. Um, the number one, one of them is uh, the total number of Donald Trump tweets on the day of the Super Bowl, so it's throughout the entire day, not just during the Super Bowl. The over is six, and the, the over-under is six. So what do you guys think? I think I tweet more than that, so I don't. I don't. I think he'll definitely tweet more than that. I don't really follow Trump, so I don't know. I don't follow either. Yeah, but I kind of feel like he doesn't tweet that often. I think I read. I think I heard somewhere that uh, the last Super Bowl he didn't send out a single tweet. But I think everything now that he's president and everything. And everything going on, and he's the national anthem. With Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, he's like best friends with Tom Brady. Uh, I'd still take the under though. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with the under. I, I can't. Well. I really can't see him 
you know, posting over six tweets unless something drastic happens during the national anthem or something. But uh, other than that, I'm going with the under. What's the next one? Uh, will a player leave the game and not return due to concussion symptoms? That is absolutely disgusting to bet on. But I wouldn't be surprised if it. I mean, Brandon, no, I mean, Coates, Brandon, Brandon Coates is in the Super Bowl, so it might happen. <laughs> I mean, jeez, <laughs> man, jeez. That is so awful. I mean, at least he didn't do the roll bounce like Steven Ridley did the one time. Oh, he gosh. did the split. I mean, yeah, was, to be honest, I, I think Brandon Cooks might actually go off in the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he but would have a good I think I th- I'm going to say yes because I feel like it's going to be like one of those instances on special teams where some guy gets just hit out of the clear blue and he just get, goes into concussion protocol and he doesn't come back into this the game. This is also saying that we're not hoping someone gets a concussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just just, just getting that out there. there. We really don't, we really don't want any anyone getting concussions out yeah. here. We do not like CTEs on Mob Town Blitz. Yeah. Okay. Well, not CTEs, but CTE period. Yeah. My bad. My grammar is terrible today. Don't mind. Tell the truth. All right, so you want me to go to the next Tell one? Tell the truth. Yes. All right, number three. Will any scoring drive take less time than it takes Gladys Knight to sing the national anthem? So the odds for her to, the odds for her to sing the anthem are one minute and forty three seconds. So do you think any scoring drive will take less than one minute and 43 seconds? Yes. So, and the reason why I'll say this is because I think the Rams' defense sets them up nicely. At I think I think Akeem Talib gets a pick or Do, Aaron Donald gets a strip sack, and then it causes the Rams to have a really yeah. short drive. I could see that happening easily. And it could also be like you know if she goes to two minutes 30 seconds or whatever. So anything under two minutes 30 seconds. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I, I, I agree with you, Kyle. Uh, Two high-flying offenses. Yeah. Just that Rams defense, crazy. They got, you know, big physical corners with Aqib Tlaib and, and Marcus Peters, who's just an absolute ball hog. And then, you know, Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue. I don't know. You know, that's just not fair with those guys on the defensive line. But uh, like you said, I, I, I do believe that, the, the Rams will cause a turnover and, and give them short short field to to make a quick score. All right, so the next one. Which company airs the first commercial after the coin toss? You got Bud Light at 15 to 1 odds, Budweiser 15 to 1, Coke 19 to 1, Hyundai 19 to 1, Skittles 19 to 1, Mars slash M&M's 24 to 1, and Kia 24 to 1. And then and, the field. And then the field, yeah. So, uh-huh. I'm going to go with the field. Yeah, I'm going to go with the field, and too. And the reason why I say the field is because I think that Gillette commercial is going to go. The one That's that, going to be, yeah the, yeah, the one that aired on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. I think that one is a perfect chance to be like, okay, we're going to talk about toxic masculinity, and I wouldn't be surprised. I just honestly wouldn't be surprised. So you, so you guys both said the field? Yeah, because of Gillette. And they also spend $5 million a commercial, which is ridiculous. Oh, also, we get a Doritos commercial this year. Yes. What do, what do you guys think, though? I you love it. taking the field? Yeah, I'm taking the field. Then I'm, and I hope Doritos I'm going to go early. against it and be the typical fan and say Bud Light. It's, nah, I'm not going to say Bud Light because Bud Light commercials, commercials are always usually funny and in the middle of the game. Yeah. So I'm going to say probably a car commercial, so I'll say Hyundai. 
I'll well, give I, mean, I, I have a Hyundai. Yeah. You know, so Hyundai I, ever I'll, wants it. If, if they, if Antwerp and Hyundai ever wants a sponsor, it's yeah. here right so here. So I'll, 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 I'll say Hyundai gets the first commercial. <laughs> All right, the next one is how many times will Giselle be shown on TV during the live broadcast? The over-under for this is one and a half. Depends on how well Tom Brady plays. So I think I think it's def, it's over one and a half. It's going to yeah. be like two. I think it'll be two. So two. Yeah, yeah, show her like in the press box or whatever a couple times. What, yeah, what did you say stuff. though, Eric, before we started recording about uh, Brent Musburger and? Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, David Karen's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that make any sense. I mean, that's just. Well, yeah. If he was in the booth, then the over/under would probably be set to like ten and a half instead of one and a half. Well, that's because Alabama blew out. That was that was a was that, that a was, national championship game. Was that the Notre Dame game? Wasn't it? Yeah. 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 All right, so next one, the, quote, what will they say broadcaster props? So will either broadcast announcer say underdog, yes, yes. or no? Yes. Will either broadcast announcer say odds? Ooh, yes. I'm going to say no. Odds are? Yeah, they'll definitely say yeah. yes. Well, I'm gonna Tony say, Romo might say it. I'm yeah, say I'm going to say yes. Huh? Will either broadcaster announcer say point spread? No. 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 Will either broadcast announcer say goat? Yeah, 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 yeah Tom, 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 Tom Brady. Yeah. Will either broadcast announcer say dynasty, and that the over under for that is three and a half. I'm gonna go with the under. Under, under yeah. The under. I think maybe Jim Nance will probably say it once, and maybe Tony Romo will say it, but I don't see them mentioning that more than three and a half times. Uh, the next one is what color will the Gatorade or liquid? <laughs> Be dumped on the head coach of the winning Super Bowl team. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Orange, you can go clear, water, yellow, red, blue, green, purple. Why is this even a bet? There are over a thousand different prop bets for the Super Bowl. Why is this a bet? It's a blue team, so I would say blue. Uh, orange Gatorade is, is where it's got stained jersey. I'm going to be that up. jerk and say water. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're dumping water. All right, so how many plays will Tony Romo correctly predict ahead of the play? The over-under is set for seven and a half. I'm taking the over. I took the over last time when me and Joe talked about this on offside position, but, yeah, I, I definitely take the over. I'll say under just to – be that guy. <laughs> How many times will Ted Rath be mentioned throughout the game? Is that the get-back coach? If that's the Rams get-back coach. The over-under is three and a half. I think it's less than that. Because uh, I don't think people care as much about it. Yeah, yeah I, 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 think, I think if I anything, like, they'll, I think if anything, they'll mention it once for yeah. like The first time he does it. Yeah, that's about it. Um, te- the last one, who will win the Super Bowl MVP of the game thank first? So the Super Bowl MVP, who will they thank first? Teammates at three to two odds. Coach is at twelve to one. Family's at twelve to one. God is at three to one. The owners at twelve to one and no, does not thank anyone at five to th- or five to two. So I'm going God. Well, I think it, it depends on who wins. Yes. So if Tom Brady wins it, he's not thanking God. No. I can tell you that right. <laughs> he's gonna be like, well, I want to thank my highlight. He's <laughs> gonna say Alex Guerrero somehow, but uh, no, I think I think Jared Goff same thing. I feel like they're more cosmopolitan guys. They're not really like those guys that typically say, "Oh yeah, I want to thank God." They've never like I've never seen Jared Goff say it. Mm-hmm. Even when he was back at Cal, yeah. Tom Brady, no. I've never seen to be like a God guy. You know, so 
I don't know about that. When it comes to the family stuff, I can see Tom Brady talking about his family. Jared Goff is like, if he wins it, I, and personally, Jared Goff's gonna think Holly Berry if the yeah if the Rams win the Super Bowl. I, I don't Bowl. even think Jared Goff wins the MVP if the Rams win the Super Bowl, but I Ooh, think hot take. I think Aaron Donald does. Oh, really hot take, Johnny Hecker. Have like ten punts inside the ten yard line. Yeah, exactly. That short field every time. That's who I'm. Th- I'm thanking my punter. Right. Well, I'm thanking Wade Phillips for being the goat. I actually, I actually think if the Patri- if the Patriots win, I actually don't think Tom Brady will be the Super Bowl MVP. I think this time around, um, give it the call. I think James White will be the Super Bowl MVP. Oh, like the underdog for that. That makes sense. Um. If he does, I'd say he gave it to uh, his family first. Yeah. Um, but like you no, said, James White's gonna thank God first. You think James White will thank God first? Yeah. I think I think Aaron Donald would thank God first. Yeah. yeah. Or his family, one of the two. So I, I'm saying whoever, I, it's probably gonna be somebody say family or God first. I can't. I don't think a player's ever said, "Oh, thanks to the owner first. Right. Yeah, I've never seen a player. And I've never seen I've never seen an ana- or uh, I've never seen like a sideline reporter say, "Who would you like to thank?" And the players like, "I don't want to thank anybody. I did this all on my own." Right. <laughs> but uh, forget everybody else. And before yeah. we wrap up, you know, as much as we bag on the Patriots, we gotta appreciate what they've done, and we gotta we appreciate like yes. Do we have to appreciate you know we- Boston sports whining about everything, talking about oh yeah, well. We're just such underdogs, and we have had nothing. I'm not talking and about I'm Boston like, sports fans. I'm talking about well, like the greatness that is Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Is great. Don't get me wrong. We're, yeah. We might never see anything like this ever but again. You gotta understand too, like growing up, growing up being from this area and having to deal with, you know, the BS calls and all that stuff. Bart Scott throwing the throwing the flag. <laughs> <into> the <stadium. laughs> You know, I, w- I wish, you know what, one of these days we got to get Bart on a podcast somehow. We got to definitely get him on to talk about I feel it. like if we did that, we wouldn't be able to finish recording because we'd just be busting out laughing the entire time. I know he would have some great things to talk about. Oh, man, that would be that. hilarious. Can't wait. That scared the living hell out of me, man. I almost jumped out of my seat. God dang. But with that being said, Eric has something to say to close us all out. All right, that'll about do it for us here. Hope you enjoy the show, and if you did, subscribe to us wherever podcasts are available, and maybe even leave us a review on iTunes as that'll help grow us in the charts and reach more people. Five stars only. You can find me on Twitter at E Himmelheber, E-H-I-M-M-E-L-H-E-B-E-R. All right, this is Anthony here. You can find me at Instagram and Twitter at A-A-Y-E-E, Barkley, B-A-R-K-L-E-Y. Hey, Kyle Andrews. Nah, I'll pass. On Kyle. (laughs) And you can follow me on Kyle Andrews. Hey, Kyle Andrews. You can follow me on Kyle Andrews. Let me me get this over with. Jeez, we've been at this forever. Kyle J. Andrews underscore on Twitter. And don't forget to check out dmvsportsnetwork.com. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter at dmv underscore sn. And if you want to join the team, contact them via Twitter, the website, or shoot them an email at dmvsportsnetwork at outlook.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, first episode done. It's finished.